Las Vegas, where anything goes. Enjoy it while you can. I'm about to end it all. My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing in preparing for life. I was the first in my class in college in computer science. I joined the military and became a fighter pilot and won many medals for distinguished service. I'm now a covert agent, mercenary, for any nation that wants to control another. I don't need much to live on anymore. I just eat tuna out of the can and live in the car. I control access to anything and everything, even from my little simple, brilliant setup. My orders from another country are to shut down the Las Vegas Strip for two months. I've been given this great power, but I'm so alone without the girl I love. My girlfriend and I always wanted to have children. I love you. And now all of that's been taken away from me. Confirmed. Oh, jeez. He is planning something very big. Bigger than 9-11 or any of the other larger catastrophes we caught in time after 9-11. It's me. Give me the president. Contact has been made. Governments don't dare try to kill me. Where does he go? He's on a quest. Don't ask, he's protected. You're a genius. The best. But you know that. No. This time, it's personal. I can't forget her. Nor forgive them for what they did to us. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's starting now. Marriage is over. Get out. I've got the package. It's a setup. No sex. Don't ask how I found you. I know everything. It broke open. Run. Holy shit, it's him. So many questions. I'm so confused. I can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. My country. Our daughter Megan was just diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh no, I'm so sorry. An assassination. We want to kill someone. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and the podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Naming Network. To find more from us, check out the website, themaindaming.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Naming. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hello. We can make a movie, right? Did this just prove <laughs> that we could make a movie?
Like, uh, it doesn't need to be good, but uh, we can make something on film for 90 minutes. Sort of. I think we could do <laughs> something like that. Look, we could let our camera run for 90 minutes, and I guess this movie proves that it's, it's a movie, too. Yeah, that, that, that was my number one takeaway from like, you can just put anything on film for 90 minutes, huh? If you if you pay for it yourself, man, you can do That's it. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I love one thing to point out before we, you know, go further. I love, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, in the credits, he used, like, the stock credits. So when he didn't have a position filled, he just filled it with none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was makeup and lighting. He didn't have a... <laughs> he could have just put his name. Yeah. But I guess he didn't want to lie, because there's nobody wearing makeup in this movie. <laughs> but uh, we actually have a guest this week. He is the host of Binge Movie Con- Commentaries and the co-host of BingeCast at BingeMedia.net, Pete Setnick. What Pete. is up, man? Yeah, thanks for joining us. We actually trying to have you on for the past couple weeks. Glad yes. our, uh, our schedule's lined up. Uh, unfortunately, you actually did watch The Love Guru. <laughs> that <laughs> for no okay. reason. Listen to the show, I felt like I was a part of the part of the crew there but uh yeah thank you guys for having me i appreciate it it's awesome yeah, thanks. thanks for coming on why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do over at bingemedia.net yeah so uh bingemedia.net i uh host uh binge movie commentaries i do uh maybe like four commentaries a month and you know just sit down with a couple of the other staff members over at binge media and just blast through a commentary usually like an anniversary release or a, a sequel release or something and then i'm now uh, a co-host on the binge cast which is the uh, flagship show which is we answer voicemails we do a tv recap and we also do like a what movies like we watched that week kind of like uh, what you guys do so I'm a little yeah. similar there but uh happy to be here happy to be a part of that network because i'm kind of new over there so very cool great yeah yeah, good segue because every we since pandemic started, we've been talking about what we watched this week. So, Pete, what did you watch this week? Oh, this week a lot of TV. Besides this movie, I didn't really get too much movies done. I did one uh, Netflix movie called Fear Street Part One, 1994. That's a uh, part one of part three. They're coming out. I guess last week was the first one, then two, and then three in the following weeks. It's kind of like a slasher film, almost a little bit of a nod to. Scream and Halloween with their own little take on it, but I definitely recommend that. That was like a pretty great time. A little throwback with a twist. And then TV, I got Loki, which you guys are, I think you guys are watching that, right? As well. Loki. Yeah. 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 Two of us are, at least. Okay. And then doing Physical, that's an Apple Plus show about, I think it's in the 80s, of about a fitness instructor who's Rose Byrne. Yeah, Rose Byrne. It's a very interesting show. It's, not the cleanest of shows as far as like uh, story goes, but it's still an interesting story happening with her. And I'm curious to see where it goes from there. It's only like a 25 minute episode each. And then uh, Kevin can, you guys swear? You say, I say the uh, F word yeah. on the show. Plenty. <laughs> okay. So much. Uh, Kevin can fuck himself, which is an AMC show where it's like half sitcom and half drama where the when the wife is in the room with the husband or anytime they show the husband it's sitcom four with the laugh track and bright light lighting and then every time he's not on screen it's like uh shot really dark and a drama and it's just about her relationship with her husband that it's not really going so great but it's a very cool gimmick i don't want to call it that because they do it very very smart and i'm kind of digging that cool yeah i've been meaning to check that one out yeah it's pretty good Okay, so Pete, did you have any experience with the R.L. Stein books before Fear Street, the movie? 
No, not at okay. all. I mean, I, I saw the the Jack Black Goosebump okay. movie, but that was zero R.L. Stein going into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, you're the first person I heard watching. I just wanted to see if it was anywhere oh. close to what the books were, but. Uh, yeah, I know it's rated R, if that helps. Yeah, so probably yeah. not as close to the books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll spoil it. I did watch that, too. It's got a pretty great kill in that movie towards mm-hmm. the end. Um, pretty graphic, more graphic than I was expecting. Um, you going to stick around for part two? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it enough. I thought it was it was interesting. It was fun. Um, I'm curious to see where they go because they're going to backtrack the years yeah they're going to like, like how are we gonna go back we're trying to solve what happened here and now we're going backwards so yeah i don't know i'm interested i'm intrigued yeah. dan what about you what have you watched this week so this week i watched on amazon the tomorrow war and uh that's a futuristic war kind of thing like they they travel through time and i didn't like that movie so i decided to watch <laughs> A much better time travel movie in Terminator 2, which uh, which is definitely, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of this. You know. It's a decent little indie director, James Cameron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I, I kind of went on, like, I guess a time travel kick, because then after that, I watched the first J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie on Netflix, and that has some time travel in it. I, I kind of like that movie. And I don't like J.J. Abrams, I, but that movie still kind of stands stands up for me. Okay. But then they just, each installment gets worse and worse, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know what? I honestly didn't mind the lens flares. I wasn't really paying attention to them this time around. I think maybe it's because I watched The Tomorrow War. Mm. It's like, you know what? This is This is just so much better than that. And yeah, I, I think, that, man, The Tomorrow War had such a good idea it just it had a lot of the, the first half of it really isn't needed as much. You probably trim 20, 30 minutes off of it and have a, a clean two hour movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I saw it was two hours and 20 minutes. I nope to write the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my wife wants us to review it. And mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of stuck now because that movie really doesn't lend itself to being an episode. Yeah. Let her write the notes for that movie. Right. That's my (laughs) wife. And it's like, I have to put up with her. So it's like, if I don't do it, I'm in the doghouse. So I don't know. I'm stuck here. Right. But she refused to come on our rubber episode, which she told us to do. So she has to come on the next one that she that she suggests. Yeah, that'll never happen. But she just makes the (laughs) demands. I don't know if you know that. She just demands what I do and then kind of sits back and watches the the destruction. (laughs) Watches the world burn. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Th- yeah, that was it for me. All right. Uh, Mark, what about you? Anything? Yeah. No, I haven't watched much this week. I watched way too many movies last week, so I'm a little moving out. I watched nine movies to be exact last week. So. Gee. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not mentioning that. <laughs> I'll, I'll skip it for this episode. But yeah, besides Loki, not doing much um, in terms of, of this and watching this fantastic piece of cinema that we watched for this. <laughs> That is one thing, to call it. one thing to call it. For me, I uh, watched Fear Street 1994, I guess is the full title of it. I watched mm-hmm. False Positive, which is a Hulu movie starring Abby Jacobson and ooh, who played her husband? I forget. Oh, Justin Theroux. It's sort of a it's a from A24. It's sort of a Rosemary's Baby sort of story. Not great, really. Uh, very disappointing. 
I'm not 100% sure if there's anything that constitutes a horror in it now that I'm thinking back to it. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's anything supernatural in it, except for, like, the last shot, which then was like, oh, well, fuck you. Because it's always, it's always that last shot. Even, like, I think the last movie, like, St. Maud, the same thing. It was like, last shot. Oh, maybe it, all, maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I mean, it was 90 minutes, so it's like, ah, that, you know, wasted a day, uh, a night of watching something so that wasn't terrible but it it was disappointing besides those two still watching letter kenny still the dumbest show but also funny and i actually started watching an even just as dumb show because they just released it today the second season of i think you should leave which i'm like an episode or two into that also dumb as fuck but i just had just cracks me up every time there's one one sketch here where where they he's the guy's talking about a reality show that he has on some random channel that they're trying to get rid of because it's not a real reality show about they just they just film <laughs> they just film people falling out of their coffins at funerals <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it just I was I was crying. Because they just you kept love showing that show. Oh my god, the show just has my number. I don't even know why. <laughs> I can't even recommend it to anybody because it's so fucking stupid. But just ever that show just has my number, man. But I was like at eight thirty this this evening. I was just crying on my couch because that sketch. The other sketches haven't been as good, but that one just happened. I the only one I remember from that show is the uh, the car when they're they're uh, what is it the like the group session. When they're talking oh. about what makes a good car. Yeah. And they're just like really humiliating <laughs> the guy asking the questions. Yeah. It's the old man saying. The it, old right? man. Yeah. yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> but it, and it's so it's so out of left field that it's kind of you have no choice but to laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I can't I can't really I've recommended it to you guys, but I, I'm not going to force you to watch it because it's so stupid. Um, but that's about it. That's all I watched. I'm pretty sure that's all I watched. So. We're going to take a quick break and listen to some ads so we can pay those bills, and we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was my pick, and I guess I chose violence in a way. We've gone 139 uh, movies, episodes, without fully discussing a Neil Breen movie, and I wanted to do that. And we had guests on, so I wanted to make it special. And (laughs) 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 And I wanted to go with his first one. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I hope there are many other episodes in our future where we discuss Neil Breen movies. And two, I was first introduced to Neil Breen through the YouTube channel Red Letter, Letter Media. They did a Best of the Worst episode that had, they talked about uh, Double Down. But it unfortunately has as a guest star on that show, Max Landis. So he's uh, the uh, helicopter dad son. Yes, the helicopter dad son. <laughs> He's insufferable in the episode, and he's an insufferable human being in general. So it's kind of that episode kind of ruined. So I wanted to do our own episode on Double Down from 2005. So Pete, we're gonna start with you. Okay. Where are you coming from with Double Down? Oh my God, I I've never heard of this guy before. But I I when you told me this movie, I was like. I looked it up. I'm like, what is this cover art of this post? <laughs> like, it's not even a post. It's like a, his headshot with just some text over it. It's <laughs> it's horrendous. But wanted to give it a shot. And I started it. And then, you know, it has that low, but like super low budget. It And the fact that it's 2005 blows me away. Like, this looks like a 
80s movie. It's terrible, <laughs> like, the quality of this thing. And it does fall into that category or that folder of, like, the room and, like, real bad, like, filmmakers that are really trying to hone their craft or, like, think that they're filmmakers. So this falls in there. And I got to say that I... I I like this better than the room as far as like a rewatch because I was laughing yeah. from beginning to end in this movie. Like I want to watch. I only did one watch of this. I got it. I just want to keep rewatching this and see what else this guy has coming up. Not coming <laughs> up, but like the um the the ones after this. It was so funny. Not supposed to be, but it was hysterical. I was crying. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing! I'm so glad you uh, brought this to my attention. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> but Damn. as far as the film goes, it's complete garbage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, what about you? Uh, yeah, echoing Pete's sentiment there. Uh, absolute horseshit of a movie. <laughs> uh, but God damn it, if I I was laughing so hard, and it's been a long time since I've laughed at a movie that hard. And yeah, like, like Pete said, he is legitimately trying. He's not poking fun at himself. Uh, this this movie was supposed to be a serious. I guess espionage thriller and oh it fails on so many so many levels of just acting uh filmography just plot oh god it's, <laughs> it it leaves more questions than answers and I my question to you guys is who the fuck is he talking to in this movie <laughs> like you know like in those scenes he's ta- he's like He's like talking about the how biological warfare is way worse than nuclear warfare. <laughs> and it seems like he's addressing a crowd of people. Yep. Who is he talking to? <laughs> is he talking yeah. to us the audience? There is that well, there's a moment at the end where he foils his own plot to destroy Las Vegas and then thinks he's some sort of hero where he <laughs> says, I hope this this proves my loyalty to my country (laughs) to nobody like yeah yeah, he's just like uh, like talking into the void Mm -hmm. is basically what most of these people do in this movie because they he couldn't hire extras to create a crowd scene so people are just shouting reading their lines just off screen to whoever will listen and one more thing is neil breen jesus so that's the thing. I think a lot of his movies portrays himself as some sort of Jesus-like figure. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because he he sees the dead. I mean, but he <laughs> he does fail to cure brain cancer in this oh, movie. The biggest letdown of the movie. <laughs> and then and then he just hangs up with on that person. Yeah. I have another call. I gotta. Take. I gotta take. My my daughter died. Oh no! How's that possible? Oh, I gotta take this. <laughs> Oh God! I can't imagine someone saying that in real life. Just like, hey, my, you know, my only child died. Oh, that. Oh, hold on. I got. Yeah, I, I can't talk right now. What? Are you, what is going on? Oh, Mark. What about you? Well, first off, I was upset that this wasn't a uh, fictionalized uh, movie based on the KFC sandwich to double down. That's right. Um, uh, <laughs> if KFC so, wants to sponsor this episode, we are all ears. Yeah, bring back the. Uh, Two chicken breast as buns sandwich. You know, yeah, whoever created that, that marketing guy was a genius. <laughs> Second, 
I my only experience with Neil Breen is when you showed us that trailer where he where he started to wade his way into special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, and, uh, the Twisted Pear trailer, which was like our, our, our second episode, we did a really short episode on that yeah. trailer when it dropped. Yeah, yeah, and that was my only experience with him. So going in, I thought it was going to be a lot of cheap computer stuff, but this was like felt like, as Pete said, a guy that was like, I can do this. I've seen a lot of people around here do this. Give me a few cameras. I'll rent them. I'll go out there. And hell, he did a good job for a Las Vegas developer that has no film experience. Yep. Everything was in focus for the most part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so notch one on the making a film, everything in focus. Yeah. Um, there was a yeah. severe light leak, though, throughout <laughs> yeah. most of this movie. <laughs> well, Jamie that's Abrams movie would too. never. He learns how to fix that in movie, too. <laughs> but no, in this, as as Dan alluded to, I was laughing out loud watching this by myself at multiple points in this movie. And at times, I'm like, I don't want this to end. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see what other stupid shit happens in, in this movie. Yeah. Because it goes from that whole 20-minute, you know, monologue voiceover thing where he does everything that I've heard from when you ask somebody, what's a what's a sign that a movie's going to be terrible? Oh, when they do stupid exposition in the beginning of a movie. And he leads it off with that. My name is this. And I used to be this and this and this. And I have all this and I want all that. And, I did, and I'm like, you're just reading your character sheet, yeah. you know, <laughs> that you make when when you're handing out sides for this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was everything about it felt like he came up with this movie in pieces and then tried to put it like, wouldn't it be cool if this was in a movie? What if I had a car that could just disappear because of satellites? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be a pretty cool scene to film. What 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 if that satellite thing also kills people instantly when they get close to the car? I want to know what that guy was doing in the desert. <laughs> looking for Neil Breen, obviously. He was looking to kill I him. I guess. He's a terrorist. But you can't. You can't kill him. Can't. And governments wouldn't dare kill him. <laughs> uh, and one other thing we'll get to. I like the sheer balls on this guy to hire actors. It's funny actors. you mentioned that. Well, yeah, it's all the same scene, by the way, that he hires a female actress to basically nude, but yet it's just for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, It's like not in the like She doesn't show anything except, you know, her ass when she's floating in the water. But there's like no reason for her to be completely nude in that pool. Except for Neil Breen. I've never seen an actor more uncomfortable with a scene <laughs> in my entire life. And they're supposed to be at some kind of like hotel resort that doesn't even matter if she gets shot. And, and it's that stock footage is completely gone after that. It's, I, I keep thinking like I'm, I'm I keep trying to like what I want to ask you guys, like, what's your favorite part of the movie? And the more we talk about it, the more I just like that's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah. wait, that's my favorite part. Yeah. And it's like like you have the scene where like Mark said he has an invisible radar that blows like kills people. But then his <laughs> wife or his girlfriend is murdered at a resort and he has that anguishing, you know, <laughs> cry. And then we see his ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the part, I think it, it's it's one of my favorite parts for sure. When he's having that existential crisis and he runs through <laughs> the desert, just screaming, screaming like a madman. 
<laughs> I don't know what's my favorite part. That's never oh, happened man. in a movie. <laughs> I, I can in almost like I'm. I like Marvel movies. I like comic book movies. I can always pinpoint that's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> With this movie, there's too many to count. I think one of my favorite things is like more of an overarching thing is that the fact that he keeps telling us how great he is <laughs> and we have no evidence of it throughout the entire movie. He can't even eat tuna out of a can and drive at the same time. <laughs> He's like a drunk guy at a bar that's just like, I did this, I did that, I can do this, I can do that, I'm the best, I'm the best, and you're just like, shut up, dude. Get away from me. <laughs> that guy also can't eat tuna in a moving vehicle. <laughs> you see him go on one mission and he botches it completely by <laughs> killing the wrong person. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this is the things he's wrote down as him, the, the, the actor that is the greatest spy ever. He can't even pick up the right groom at the why, wedding chapel. Why does he come up with this elaborate backstory if he's going to murder them? <laughs> right. I don't know. Oh man, that's one. That's what my favorite part is: is that he, just, he says that he's the best at everything, and we have no proof. He gets a woman killed that was either a CIA agent or a prostitute. I think. She, I think she was an agent because she says the CIA, CIA just lost a great agent. Right, but before that, he he's like, oh, I'm gonna pay you hundred dollars, but it's just for a setup. It's no sex. So she's going through. She's she's deep immersed into this prostitute background. She's like, I'm I'm seeing this through. <laughs> yeah, it's it's become real life. It, yeah. It's merged. The, her life and the job have just merged now. <laughs> and. Uh, and I, my favorite part of the wedding scene is the shot of him injecting the strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> or when he pulls out that giant bottle of champagne. It's like right. cartoonishly huge. <laughs> Where like, did he get it? <laughs> he might as well be like twisting his mustache. You guys want some champagne? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oh God, there's so many good parts. There are some, yeah. the guy with the fake, to like the totally <laughs> fake mustache. Oh my god. And I love the, the agent's reactions when he pulls oh off. God, it's him. It's him. <laughs> who is he? This foolproof disguise almost tricked us. But who is he? I no that, so he gets contracted to kill somebody towards the beginning of the movie. We know no details. We know a name. We don't know a name. I'm assuming it's that guy. Yes. <laughs> Neil Breen lets us in on no information throughout this movie. He doesn't also, let us. Go ahead. Also, in the beginning, he says he's a millionaire, right? Because all these uh, things that he does for the government. But then he gives it all away to children, people that are in like hurricanes and stuff like that, or uh, like real bad areas. And it's like they, he shouldn't even brought up the fact that he is a millionaire because he's just like living out of his car like a homeless guy with tuna cans <laughs> everywhere. And the fact that he does all this, that he says he does all this good for everybody, but yet he has. Explos explosives in major cities to go off at any time. I, I don't understand where he's at. Is he a hero or is he a villain? It's so confusing. <laughs> he might he just also, be a crazy man living in the desert. Like, none of this is true. I mean, nothing is more evidence of that than he carries his dead wife in his trunk in a body bag, apparently. <laughs> he does, right? That's her. <laughs> I, oh, so yeah. I don't know what's yeah. real. What's real and yeah. what's not. He might just be having visions of that. Because that's what he, every time he goes to Every time he goes to sleep, he has visions of her. He's a, a, a dreams and nightmares filled night 
uh, every time he goes to sleep. <laughs> so I'm assuming every time we see her, that's his dream. Mm. Have some, I got a couple of notes as the overall. Uh, it's not every day you get to see someone's midlife crisis play out in real time, and I admire this for, film for that. Uh, <laughs> I've watched this twice. I'm still not sure if what happens. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what the skeleton and skull budget was for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, we kind of touched on it prior to recording, but the, the stilted dialogue, it, it's basically every character is kind of talking and then forgets that there's still more lines after they finish speaking. So th- there's a couple examples, just like when Neil Breen's character is talking to guy number one, I guess, <laughs> and they're, they're talking about how this could be the worst attack since 9-11 or the attacks after 9-11 of which there were many. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about, my man? I think that was just him hedging his bets so that this movie always stays timely. Right. Well, yeah, it's, I, my, my favorite one was, I can't believe I'm remembering all this because my memory is terrible, <laughs> but my, my, my best, my favorite one is they, I guess they stop a drug bust uh, for some reason, and <laughs> Breen gives the the CIA uh, detectives the drugs or the anthrax. I think I, it's anthrax. I have no idea. So he does the the whole the whole drop is hilarious to me. But he like he's supposed to be handing over a bioweapon for I guess dro- drugs, and he drops it on purpose. It's like <laughs> oh, the 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 vest with the medals on it. <laughs> oh my god he wears it twice yeah uh he, he's won every medal yep that you could think of the, i the, think he's also won some medals that would mean he was in multiple branches of the military right i'm surprised he didn't say like the silver star which means you're dead <laughs> he's the best mark don't act like it can't happen the old man in the, the <laughs> desert is yeah. who's the old man i was 100 percent thinking that was going to be god that's what i thought yeah or like it's... him as an old man. <laughs> yeah, why not just throw time travel in right. at this point? They should have had him wearing like the same boots. What was the, uh, I, I guess the one part that puzzles me, and I, like I brought it back to like, is he Jesus or whatever? He questions if there's an afterlife, gets confirmation that there is an afterlife, and then immediately asks, I need to know. <laughs> You just found out, my dude. We're at peace. All right, but you still haven't answered my question. <laughs> right. There are, again, so many questions. Yeah. Even uh, what, he, he, Neil Breen had questions, and he didn't get those answered either. <laughs> I wonder how much of this movie is stock footage. I wonder if anyone ever, like, timed, like, how much is actual stuff that Neil shot and how much of it is stock footage. Because I think it's, like, half. It's yeah, I was gonna say right. I was gonna say like somewhere between like forty and sixty percent. Yeah, and then and then there's like three songs because they it's just oh. on repeat the whole time. It's getting it got a little monotonous after a while. The it's last twenty five to... minutes is like the one song is <laughs> looped. It's hard to tune it out too. That's the oh yeah, real tough. <laughs> it's a mess. It's just a complete mess. And uh, again, I I think you have th- this movie definitely had that. As, as Pete alluded to in the beginning, it kind of, it, it circles around, right? It's complete shit, but then it circles around to being so bad that it's good. 
Yep. Because you want to watch it again. You, this is something where I could easily see midnight screenings of like, you know, The Room Absolutely. or Troll 2. And oh, I, like, I would 100% see this with a group of people. Yeah, absolutely. It would be the equivalent of throwing the football in this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> Putting on rubber Tuna gloves. Cans. Tuna cans. <laughs> Tuna cans. <laughs> Latex gloves and uh, medals. <laughs> the, the medals. The medals, for sure, is is one of those. Yeah. Uh, medals on a jean vest. Sleeveless jean vest. But at least, guys, at least he gives props to the troops. He loves our troops. Loves them. But he he shits talk talks them too. He says right, he, he, they can't handle modern warfare. <laughs> so it's like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has everything. Yeah. I, I'm just so glad that those kids showed up at multiple shooting locations because <laughs> I was afraid he just filmed random kids in a playground <laughs> for, for that one scene. Yeah. That that scared me when you messaged me. Oh God, what am I walking into here? <laughs> Uh, so Double Down from 2005 is directed by Neil Breen, and this was his first film, and he's got five total, and follows us up with I Am Here, dot, 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 now, Fateful Findings, Pass Through, Twisted Pair. He was originally an architect and real estate agent in the Las Vegas area, and all his films are independently produced and funded, and if you guys didn't realize, he's got no formal filmmaking education, so. Yeah, this tough to tell. <laughs> stars Neil Breen. Laura Hale, Mike Brady, Robert DeFrancesco, Bonnie Carmel, George Kerr, Maynard Mailer, and Rose Mailer. Has an IMDb score of 4.5 and no Rotten Tomato score. And no budget or box office information. <laughs> this movie's wild. I didn't think it was going to be as incomprehensible as it wound up being, but I'm glad it was. Yeah. Yeah, this was <laughs> definitely, like, you chose violence, but I enjoyed it. It was a good type right. of violence. It's a good violence, yeah. Like a Tarantino-style violence. Like fun for the whole family. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just real quick, you guys noticed that none of the computers worked, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost thought that the, that as he was a real estate agent, those are probably, like, props for, like, set, setting a house, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, the, like the fake furniture. Right. I thought those were, like, fake laptops. Yeah, they... they... <laughs> And they're so clearly, one of them is clearly not on. It's always in the shot. Uh, he, I think he thought that he could fix it in post and he just real, then found out how much that would have cost. <laughs> the, the fact that he's a real estate agent, you'd think he'd have better filming locations than yeah. just the desert and then wherever he could shoot on the strip of, of Las Vegas. Like, what are you doing, man? Go show a house. Tell everyone to leave and then shoot there. Right. Like, like Kevin Smith would do that doing. kind of stuff, right? Like when yeah. he shot Clerks, he worked at the 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 uh, the, the quickie stop basically, and yeah. they shot at night. Like, you tell me you can't do that? Just like, shoot around your schedule a little bit. Right. Yeah. Oh, I gotta stage this house for like twelve yeah. hours between eight p.m. and eight a.m. Right. <laughs> Nobody come in. He didn't think of that. <laughs> he was too busy thinking of the cool things he could say about himself in this movie. Oh god, it, it's it's that list is non. It's never ending. Yeah. He does it all. It's twenty minutes long in the in the beginning, and then there's more later. <laughs> I thought it, it had to end, right? Like, okay, you're getting a little exposition at the beginning of who he is. Cool. Ten minutes in, this has to end soon, right? It can't be. And then once I hit like the 15 minute mark, I thought it was going to be nothing 
but voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. This is that kind of movie, I guess. Yeah. But all right. I'm, I'm, I'm hunkering down. <laughs> and he didn't even get to the part where he can steal any car with just a cell phone. <laughs> and that's the first 20 minutes. <laughs> I, the, the things he's capable of. With, he's like, didn't he say he, he's holding the three cell phones up and he's like pre-recording them or something? Like that? He's recording the messages oh, somehow. Yeah, yeah. He says it's a conference call, but he's just talking into three cell phones. <laughs> 100% that's what it is. It's 2005, though. They couldn't. He couldn't add anybody to the call. I do love the visual of him holding three phones. <laughs> what, one of my favorite moments, and I actually have it in my notes, is when he, after he's stolen the Rolls Royce, he, he's, he picks up the phone to call someone, and then he fumbles it. He just <laughs> fumbles it into his hand, and he has to pick it back up. I was like, man, take a second go of that. Yeah. <laughs> you can definitely do that cleaner. This is our super spy, can't handle a flip phone. Yeah, it makes me wonder if he just didn't want to take another shot or if the other ones were so much worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) Or like 23 takes. The owner owner of the Rolls Royce was like, all right, come on, guy, pick it up. (laughs) You know, your hour's about up. Well, he said it was like super easy to steal the car too, right? It was easy. <laughs> the Ferrari, yeah. Yeah, the Ferrari. Yeah, I like it was so easy to steal it. I'm like, all right, man, we get it. <laughs> You're the I, wonder, I wonder if he got the Rolls Royce back within the hour because he said he was going to have it back to the valet in an hour, but then he killed the wrong guy, so he had to do. <laughs> so he had to basically go out to the lake too. <laughs> they killed. They wound up killing themselves. Well, why did they kill themselves? Because they knew something was coming. Bullshit. <laughs> was on the case. Bullshit. They don't know who he is. <laughs> what is this? He's such a frightening force of nature that people have decided after they've gotten married, they're gonna their first their first act as husband and wife is to go into a suicide pack and shoot themselves in the forehead. Right. So here's like it's a it's a suicide pact because they know something's coming. That doesn't make it a suicide pact. They're mercy killing themselves, I right. suppose. That's yeah. not oh god. I am laughing so hard right now. <laughs> this this I love this movie. What am I favorite? I hate it, I hate it but it's great. Yeah. My, my I think my favorite bit of all time in this movie is um wrenching the satellite <laughs> attached to the trunk there are zero bolts that he's that are in the wrench and then holding the laptop typing and looking at the satellite as if he's going to see something happening to the satellite like, it doesn't move there's no laser it, it's i don't yes. know what he's doing and then he picks up the he puts that laptop down. He takes the second laptop, starts <laughs> typing, looks at the satellite. Nothing's happening. I, I don't know what he's trying to do there. And then they cut the stock footage of, like, NASA for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they have, like, a, a – it's like a space shuttle capsule. Yeah. For what? <laughs> he's controlling that. He's showing us what he's doing, you know, uh, at, at the end of his trunk and then right. showing us what that's controlling – through stock footage. He so must fantastic. Get He's brilliant. <laughs> he, is. he must get phenomenal uh, coverage out in the desert. <laughs> I get all the channels. <laughs> oh, God. And the laptops it, under the random rocks. I mean, they're, <laughs> how are they not burnt up in this Nevada <laughs> desert? And they're so easy to spot. It's like, it's, <laughs> 
it's the first thing my eye goes to in the scene. <laughs> and, like, and, the, and the first one was inside a trash bag under a rock <laughs> in the Nevada desert. <laughs> oh my God. God, I can't wait to watch this again. <laughs> this movie, it's basically it's just like whatever popped into Neil Breen's mind is what he wrote on the page. Yeah. And then it, I do this, and then I do this. It is a frightening mind to get a peek inside, too. Yeah. It's it's basically a kid thing. You know, like, I'm a super spy. I could do this. I can have sex with whoever I want. I kill whoever I want. I can control the world. And that's Neil Breen, pretty yep. much. Yeah. You guys want to get into this nonsensical plot? <laughs> sure. Good luck. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Dan, what do you got for us this week? All right, real quick. Uh, Going to give a shout out to our friends at uh, the Top Ten with Tia. Tia and her friend Brittany. Uh, they have a weekly podcast where they run down Top Ten lists. So go give them a listen. They're on Geek Vibes Nation. You could follow uh, Tia on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. She's also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation. So go give her a follow. Go check out her articles. She's awesome. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some ads, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. It seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now time to get into the plot for Double Down, and we're going to try our damnedest. We open on some stock footage of Clouds as the credits roll. It's appropriate as 60% of this film is stock footage. We then cut to the Nevada desert and a middle-aged man in a black tank top, Aaron Brand played by Neil Breen, talks in VO as he talks about how great he is at international espionage as we watch a middle-aged man in a black tank top gingerly navigate rock formations. <laughs> we also get made this... a cut there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like an old man easing to a bath. I was like, oh, oh, gotta, gotta brace myself against this wall as I, as I slide down, not wearing the right boots for this. <laughs> We also get to see his super secret high-tech setup of several laptops that don't turn on, flip phones, and a handgun that may or may not contain any actual ammunition. It's both simple and brilliant, as he puts it. Aaron also mentions that the government assassinated his girlfriend, and he can control every computer or satellite in the world. And he's also single-handedly helping to rebuild New Orleans after Katrina, thanks to covert government contracts that he's done. So... There's a moment, I know they specify later, 
where I thought he was going to keep it very vague about who the government is mm-hmm. and what country it was from. Um, it's, it's it's weird that – Pete, I think – did you mention this or Ant? Is he the good guy? Right, because I think it was right, Pete. You were yeah, saying. Yeah, I didn't know because he 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 gives money to charities and and uh, cities that have been destroyed, and he emphasizes Katrina. But then he says that he's got explosives in major cities or something like right, that. Right, <laughs> right, and and he's working for like terrorist governments. Mm-hmm. It's very so, odd. <laughs> I think so he's he, chaotic neutral. He, oh, big time, right? Yeah. So he, yeah, he's essentially like, I love my country. But I also love money, so I'm just going to kind of go where they take me. Yeah, or he's saying, I, I love my country. I'll help anybody with the money that I get. But if you mess with me and my girlfriend, I have explosives in major cities. So don't mess with me. Or, you know, I could do good, you know, pick right. your poison. Right. He's like the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a Joker prequel? Maybe. It's an origin yeah, story I mean, for just the Joker. Poison's a pond. You know what? If you if you dye his hair green, you're halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he knows how anthrax really works. <laughs> you just don't slap it on someone's forearm as you walk by. No. Oops. <laughs> Contact. He, he did do one research because immediately when he said it, I was like, all right, I got to Google this to see if this is correct. That the anthrax in the air is the most deadly form of anthrax <laughs> apparently it is really? he says no. like that, that guy will be dead instantaneously it'll take five minutes <laughs> <laughs> so he used he used one of his three laptops to look up anthrax on wikipedia yeah <laughs> that was the information he found so yeah, not instantaneously <laughs> yeah because that and also the airborne thing might also take two weeks oh, right. is what it said right so you have time <laughs> Aaron also mentions that the government assassinated his girlfriend. He can control every computer on or satellite in the world. He mentions that his next contract is to shut down the grid of Las Vegas for two months. And he also kills white-collar criminals and disposes of them in the desert. And he also has hot, has operations with high-tech implants that make him a killing machine. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that means nothing to the plot. <laughs> Not at all. Also, he eats tuna straight from the can, even when he drives, which almost makes him crash. The tuna thing is so is just such an odd, odd little detail he's decided to go with. It definitely lends credence to the it lends credence to the fact that he's definitely a crazy old man just living in the desert. <laughs> he's dealing with mercury poisoning from overeating tuna. And just sitting in the sun. <laughs> I also, with the killing of white collar criminals, there's that scene where the arm, the hand started to move God, and yeah. come up, and then I'm like, is it? Did he for, not kill somebody? Is that going to be like a plot point later? But then it just it fell dead. Yeah. And I'm like, what was the whole? Point? Yeah. It's not a very yeah. good uh, killer of uh, white collar criminals if they're like almost alive when he and, buries them. And you could see them visibly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd think that he'd want to dispose of the bodies yeah. in a more sufficient or efficient way. But no, you could see the guy's hand. Yep. It's <laughs> probably not far from his car, too. He's probably <laughs> hanging out right there. <laughs> he, he just has a, like an entire cemetery, and his car is just constantly there. Just like, yep, yeah, this is where I bring my dead people. <laughs> but the government won't dare to kill him, so what does it matter? Oh, so uh, I, people are trying to kill him, apparently. Yeah. 
because as my next note says, governments don't dare to kill him because he's planted bombs all over major cities that will go off if he doesn't continue to type in a code every few days. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, I thought it was just basically when that's a, that also kind of brings up a problem. Like, what if he just you know accidentally dies? Yeah, or what if he just like miscounts the days? Like, oh, I'm pretty sure I did it Monday, didn't I? Monday, Monday, Monday. I'm sure it's fine. That's a burden. Friday comes and <laughs> you're right. That is a burden, right? God, I get, like he really screwed himself there. Now he has to think. Like, oh shit, did I wake up in time to do it? Right. right. I, I don't. I don't know. But yeah, what if he gets into a car accident and dies? Or is in the hospital at least for an extended period of time? I need my laptops. <laughs> Sir, you can't leave this hospital bed yet. Well, there are no bombs, and it's like the bunker or the hatch and lost with the 108 minutes you have to type in the code, but you're just not sure if it's really doing anything. So maybe he's just stuck in that predicament. He's just calling, he's just like basically hoping they don't call his bluff kind of thing. <laughs> don't test me. Yeah. He can also turn invisible thanks to a shield he invented. <laughs> I just tack it on. <laughs> and he throws shade at our troops. I, I don't think I mentioned this on air or it was in the pre-show. But I love the cut back and forth between the car being in the shot and the car not being in the shot as yeah. proof that he hid it from people. Right. <laughs> I wish that would have come into play later in the movie because that's nope. pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah. But nope. nothing he does comes back to play this movie. Nope. <laughs> and then there's a mysterious kid in the desert and a shady exchange of vials of liquids and along shots of the Hoover Dam. Brain then goes to a lake to test his bioweapon and kills a whole bunch of fish. And there's a bag, uh, which they might have actually killed that fi- those fish for the movie. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming they just, like, bought fish. Like dead fish and just yeah, threw it in, right? threw it in this right. natural reservoir, their people's drinking water. <laughs> like, real life. <laughs> That's the tuna yeah. he ate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just take these. <laughs> Save these for later. He can't, he can't his own tuna. <laughs> He's the only person he can trust is himself. That's a good point. Uh, then there's a bag in the desert that moves around like someone's in it, and we don't know what it is yet. And then I we get some shots I, of... Ag- I thought it was him phoning someone. Right? It was like writhing around like yeah. like a sex chamber. Yeah. Is he fucking the corpse? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go that dark. But I, I thought maybe it was like a flashback to how he and his wife would just like randomly do it in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> no, it it yeah, it's just like much more disturbing. It's just her corpse. Yep. Just trying oh, to get out. Yeah, that's it. This guy has problems. <laughs> then we get some shots of Aaron and his girlfriend when they were kids on the playground, and him and her are having a picnic in the desert together as adults. They supposedly met when they were seven, despite the fact that the actress hired to play his girlfriend is at least a decade and a half younger than Neil Breen himself. <laughs> And then someone in a suit shows up to Aaron's simple and brilliant setup looking for him. As Aaron taps away on the keyboards of several laptops that aren't on, he's supposedly sending corrections to coordinates for satellites, I think. Something like that. Right. It's, he's very vague with it. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where, like, he doesn't quite know enough about the things he's talking about, so he's keeping it vague so it, mm-hmm. it still lands. It's kind of like when uh, E.L. James wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, and then, J- like, Grey is just in business. He does right. business stuff and takes meetings, but she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Right, like no clue what <laughs> what business is. Yeah, I had a meeting town today. I did a business today. I did a business today. Yeah. <laughs> I did a business. Uh, and then he mentions that he sees his dead girlfriend every night, 
Then a flashback to the time he proposed to his girlfriend in a pool, featuring a topless, very uncomfortable actress forced to touch a very naked deal Breen, and then she gets assassinated. And he floats with her in the pool in anguish, <laughs> balls fully on display. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they float. <laughs> I, I think everything else of this movie overshadows the fact that we see balls. <laughs> taint, yeah. taint and balls. But to to be fair, I got nothing. <laughs> I just don't understand the choice of him like laying next to her and float. Like, right? It's very odd. Like, yeah. is he trying to just like explain how how he wants to be with her no matter what, or what? Well, he is killed that? himself then at that point. Right. right, but then all those cities die, I guess. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, he can't kill himself now. He's in this this vicious cycle of needing to be alive now. So, so now he's set up this whole thing. <laughs> so now, like, all right, so the government can't kill him, so the government kills the girlfriend? Right, and he apparently he did nothing. Right, him. like, why wouldn't, like, don't you think you... He, that would extend to his loved ones. Like, hey, you, you kill anyone that I love or me, I will destroy these major, major metropolitan cities, right? Maybe that's the reason. Maybe he programmed these major metropolitan cities to blow up after they killed his girlfriend. He's like, oh, I need a fail safe for this now. Yeah. <clears throat> and why didn't the girlfriend notice the red dot clearly on his face? <laughs> That's a fair point. Like, oh, what's that dot right on your forehead, Neil? I thought there was going to be a line of dialogue there because they showed it three times. Yes. Before. I'm like, what? She's got to say something. Right. <laughs> right. But if they were if they were aimed at him first, why didn't they just take that shot? Right. <laughs> just... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's. It, I wonder if he wonders if, like this is what James Bond goes through. <laughs> Probably. I mean, he makes no attempt to try and save her or get her to a hospital. He, he doesn't even seem that upset that she's dead at first. He's just going right? to act forlornly with the lotus flowers, make sure they're all nice and bloody, <laughs> and then float face down. Hopefully, I guess hoping that he's going to be able to drown himself? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's very... He has that moment where she gets shot, and he's like, no. And he, he kind of does that, like, ugh. Oh, I'm so so sad. <laughs> and I, that, like that's your the woman you love. Yeah, I feel so bad for that actress. Yeah, I, like it feels like it was like, are is there a reason why I can't just have a top on? <laughs> or like why we need to be naked? Like right. I, Pete, you said they're, they're in a resort. <laughs> yeah, the first stock it's a stock footage of like this hotel resort. The the pool is packed, and then it just cuts to them like in a corner of a, of a pool. Yeah. And I'm like, where did all those people go? <laughs> Don't and mind he, us. We're just going to be over here naked. <laughs> he's got nothing on. And she's got like these small skin colored thong on. Yeah. I wonder how much convincing it took her. I think this was a compromise because he probably wanted her to show tits on camera. Yeah, and and she doesn't. So the compromise was that she's she's topless, but you don't see anything. Like she has strategically maneuver herself into the pool, while you know, he's like he's like grabbing at her. She's like, ooh. Yeah, just really. I've never like no normal person stands the way that they stood. No. Right. Like body is like turned at a ninety degree angle in a way yeah. you can't see anything good. Yeah, so it's yeah that, that was I don't think she wanted to be there for sure. 
Yeah, she's like, you're not paying me enough to show my tits in this movie. <laughs> definitely seems creepy. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely yeah. seems creepy in real life. Yeah. He then wakes up next to his car in the desert. The words help me written on his car in blood. After changing his clothes, his license plates and his identity, I suppose, he hits the Las Vegas Strip. And he goes to the Luxor, meets with a contact about a target that poses as a threat to the country and the world. Then Aaron goes on this long diatribe about how nuclear weapons aren't the true threat. It's biochemical weapons and how air warfare is no match for guerrilla warfare. (laughs) It would have been nice to find out what his contact wanted from him in the scene rather than this diatribe, but what can you do? I don't know who he's talking to. (laughs) It seems like he's addressing maybe like... A, a group of school kids or something? I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> After some more stock footage of Vegas, he wakes up outside his car again. Then he calls someone and says he's got the person's directions. Then clarifies the GPS directions. Real quick, uh, first of all, I commend you on the on these notes. I, I wouldn't be <laughs> able to put this together. But he, they show him in the car having these nightmares, uh, sleeping in the backseat, topless. But then he wakes up. Fully uh, clothed outside of his car every morning. (laughs) Is he he putting his clothes on and then goes outside? He must be doing that, right? And then putting the help me blood on the the car. I can't believe how many times we saw that shot, too. Yeah, a bunch. (laughs) Do they say, like, is it him doing it? It's got to be, right? Who else could it be? It has to be. Yeah, (laughs) and he only has... Two two outfits in this movie. He has the, <laughs> the black white beater and the jeans mm. and the vest. Yeah. Oh, and then he's got the uh, his Vegas strip outfit where he has right. like the uh, button down. Oh, yeah. so like that's like when he meets the contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His professional look. Yeah. <laughs> then he sees an old man. Then he at first mistakes for a terrorist, and then slowly climbs up a rock formation again to get away from the old man. And the old man tries to get up and walk up, but then trips and smack his, smacks his head on the rocks. As he bleeds out, he gives Breen a mystical-looking rock. And Breen buries him in the rocks, and he gingerly climbs up the rocks once again. Does anyone have any idea what that rock like in real life was? It, it looked like fool's gold, kind of. The, it's the rock he gives him the uh, one that he has in his hand when he's curing brain cancer. Is that a rock? Uh, well, when he's trying to cure brain cancer. Brain cancer so. oh, it's the same rock? It's the same rock, yeah. Okay, for some reason I thought it was a ball of twin foil. Yep, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying what his production design was, but it might have been. <laughs> it was totally foil. It could be both. <laughs> I think he's like very casual with this mystical-looking rock later. He throws it in the back of his trunk and almost loses it in his tuna cans. Oh, that is hysterical scene. He goes one by one. <laughs> And we're watching it in real time go through each can. Oh, yeah. Everything is done in real time in this movie. <laughs> we don't lo- we don't cut anything short for for the sake of the audience. Like, no, you got to see everything, every single, every single beat. Yeah, the running up the desert hills and rocks is real time. And he must have thought he was Jason Bourne, James Bond. <laughs> Mission Impossible 2, Tom Cruise hanging from the mountain. Like, make sure you get me run up these 10-foot rocks because it is going to look glorious. And it's, it looks, you nailed it with gingerly. It is horrendous. He's not cool doing it. It's not look cool at all. How old is he? He's got to be in his 50s right at this point, right? I think he was born in 1958. So in 2005, he would have been just about 50. 
Yeah, he looks every bit. 47, 47. He, he looks terrible. <laughs> that is rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, uh, he looks very the, Vegas 47. Yeah. The bad haircut goes a long way into making him look 60. Yeah, yeah, it's not... He doesn't look good. <laughs> Nothing about him screams, like, smartest man, mm-hmm. best agent at all. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He wakes up again next to his car, once again with blood on his car, and then starts screaming, where are you? At no one in particular. And he sees his parents at the lake and gets his jeans wet in the process. He asks them what is after death, and they say they're at peace and walk away. Then he cuts to, he then has dinner at his friend's house, and he asks his friends if he saw his dead parents at the lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god. And, and then, then he changed the subject. <laughs> Well, never mind. And he's talking to the kid about, like, covert work. Yeah. He talks about how being a spy is different than what people think, and then orders his friend's daughter to refill his glass wa- glass of water. That's half full. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if... I, I'm pretty sure if you're in, like, the CIA or some secret organization, the key is secret. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, you're not supposed to be telling your niece... I feel like you're not supposed to, t- like, people aren't supposed to know that you're in the CIA at all, I feel. Right. It, it, it's supposed to, yeah, again, it's secret. No <laughs> no one's supposed to know what you're doing or where you're going to be. <laughs> totally destroys the point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the closest I, I've ever come is one of the uh, uh, dads that was coaching when I coached Little League um, was like, they started making jokes about him being in the FBI. And I was like, oh, yeah, bullshit. Yeah, you're in the FBI. And he just turns around, flashes his badge, and puts it away. And that's the last we spoke of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it wouldn't be like a carry-on conversation, right. you know, yeah. as Neil Breen is having in this dinner <laughs> He's dying to tell everybody, I feel. Yeah. He wants to tell him how he's the best, too, and everything. <laughs> Did you know I can control every computer in the world? <laughs> okay, I just, can I go get you some water now? <laughs> Governments don't dare to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> So the girl then asks her grandmother's permission to get the water, which she does. And when she's out of the room, the Aaron's friend tells him that his daughter was just diagnosed with brain cancer. And his reaction is priceless. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. The delivery of this diagnosis is very much Walker, Texas Ranger, Haley Joe Osmond AIDS moment. (laughs) I, I thought of uh, the room when the room I yeah. definitely have the breast mom. cancer. Oh, okay. Well, the test came back, and I have the breast cancer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh. Hey, hey guys, Walker says I have AIDS. <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, as someone who you know who has had a family member who had cancer, it's a little bit more dire than that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Like, there, there's a little bit more urgency in it than just, it's not just a throwaway subject at dinner. Oh, yeah. I thought they, like, nailed it. I, was, I, was, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all wrong. <laughs> you mean it's not like that? Yeah, Ruby is setting unrealistic expectations. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> like maybe it is that way it's like oh hey dan listen uh before you go i got cancer but uh drive safe i'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, shit, it seems right. like that guy's just he's just trying to blurt it out before she comes back from the kitchen too oh by the way she has cancer and then she's like <laughs> just comes right in <laughs> what, what do i have nothing sweetheart 
<laughs> Hold on, let me get my tinfoil ball out real quick. <laughs> oh, man. And then he touches her head like Joel Osteen. <laughs> I was like, he has the balls to do this. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. He went to see the mind freak. We've seen, him. Times We've seen those balls. It's true. It's true, yeah. Yep. We can confirm. But it's also like, where where did he get the idea that now he could cure brain cancer? <laughs> Is it just like, it's got to be just wishful thinking. Yeah, right? But and he's so sure of it. Oh, like, yeah. man, I did it. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished. <laughs> but to be to be honest, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm curious to think what you guys thought. I, I dead thought this movie was going to turn into like an evangelical kind of propaganda, right? Because he just finished seeing his parents. Right. And now he's saying, "Oh, I can cure cancer." I was like, yeah. "Holy shit! This is gonna become this is gonna become a, a religious movie." It's super odd that he doesn't cure the cancer because this is such a narcissistic movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you could have wrote that you cured cancer. Who's gonna say anything? It's all it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's all about just sucking your own dick. Why not cure right. cancer too it's while a great you're at point, it? Great point. <laughs> <laughs> Why write yourself that you botch a, a hit? <laughs> you can't eat tuna while driving. <laughs> like, like, you well, set up weird... exposition that you are the perfect basic basic specimen of a human being, but you but you make yourself look like a buffoon in several. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what like odd character defects? <laughs> You're right. Like maybe he thought to himself, like, listen, I'm I'm batshit crazy, but I'm not that crazy. Where I I think I could cure cancer. And it also it also read like he saw in a book or something that every character has to have a flaw. Right. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna make him eat tuna constantly, but the character quirk is that he gets it all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess too, man. It's all over the place. Like, man, just pull over for fuck. Like, I didn't know tuna had crumbs. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's not even just a little bit of tuna. He spills like half the can on himself. And it might just be me, but isn't eating tuna from a can a two-hand operation? Yeah. Well, he's all over the road. Luckily, he's in the desert. Oh my god! <laughs> when she when she comes back, he palms the mysterious stone in one hand and then puts his hand on her head, and he's pretty sure he just cured her brain cancer, <laughs> which he then tells his dead wife. Uh, he then gives some orders over the phone to some people, and then dreams of his girlfriend again, and then calls the president directly for some reason. Then a careless handoff of anthrax occurs in an airport parking lot, and then more star- stock footage of Las Vegas. And then he meets with a couple of suits in a grocery store parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) And he's talking about how busy he is because of all the worldwide action. Yeah, and this this, this might be one of my favorite combination of things that go on in one scene. Is the, starts with the grocery cart crashing into the car, the plant of bug. That is very obvious yeah. <laughs> when, oh, when the cart goes away. The, and, uh, the line reading is atrocious in this scene. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no it, damage. Go ahead. It, it, the, the, the one CAA guy is like, tell me about your quest. Come on. Just tell me about your quest. <laughs> quest. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> like, not even, like, Bethesda games talk that way. <laughs> Just... 
Come on, tell me about your quest. Like that's what I feel like he like you're you're like if you're in a video game and you're supposed to select a I guess a line of dialogue that furthers the conversation mm-hmm. and he just refuses to do it and the <laughs> character's like, "Yeah, you have to tell me about the quest. It's not going any further <laughs> until you do this." <laughs> A woman accidentally bangs into his car with her shopping cart, which is just a ruse to plant a tracker on his car. Two guys in suits that they borrowed from their dads give him an assassination job, while a woman records them from her car and she gets assassinated by someone. (laughs) (laughs) And no one reacts to the gunshot. (laughs) And and the the deaths in this movie, the the reaction time is so way off. Yeah. She gets shot in the head. You hear the bang, and then she goes down, like like a full two seconds after being yeah. shot. It's not quite as bad as the guy near the train, but oh, it's still pretty bad. He's the worst. He uh, he gets shot in the head. You see, there's nothing. There, there's no squib or anything. Yeah. And his reaction is just way off. <laughs> I, I don't even know why this woman is in this movie. Like who right. who shoots her? Who's she working for? But she gets a credit. Like the the credits at the end of the movie are completely inconsistent in terms of who gets credited. Like there's half the cast isn't even on that list. But this woman, a woman in car, is on is on the credits list. But she yeah, who is she filming for? I don't know. The government? Maybe. Maybe why not? <laughs> or another government? Neil Breen? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> that was, that was a His dead wife. Director. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, again, just more questions than answers in this mm. movie. Yes. Bree notices the tracker and manages to scrape it off. Then he goes to a restaurant and pays the valet to take a Rolls Royce off the parking lot and leaves with it. And he goes to a wedding chapel and waits. He fumbles with the phone as if there wasn't a better take and forgets to dial too, basically. And then goes ahead and injects some strawberries with a poison. And he pulls up to the front of the chapel and greets two couples that just got married and tells one of them to get in the car. The wife immediately gets in the car and then immediately regrets getting married. So Breen offers them both champagne and then puts strawberries in the drink and then gives it to them. And the groom, groom immediately says he doesn't feel well and passes out. And he picks up the groom and puts him in the trunk. And the bride comes to and he tells her that they them, they themselves got married and had sex out by the fountains. <laughs> not quite, <laughs> not quite sure he, he, why he needed to tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> that line of dialogue is good too like who are you oh we met last night we had some drinks we had some laughs we had sex up by, by the fountain <laughs> what fountain there was vegas baby right like why did it have to why did you have to put that dial that piece of dialogue in there you could just say like yeah we met last night we gambled we had some drinks we had some fun the yep. end did he find out that he messed up the kill before she woke up or after? After. After. Oh, like, okay. She's there. She's like, who are you? And then the phone call comes in. He's like, what? No, that can't be. Okay. Like, oh, I got the wrong people. That's Get out of here. I don't want to be married to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he says great. that. <laughs> Neil, you weren't married to her. <laughs> you weren't even married to the, your original girlfriend either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, did he forget? <laughs> he has never been married. <laughs> so method. Right. He's <laughs> never he, been married pulled, and he's pretending. Yeah, he, he pulled the, the George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> uh, so he gets a call and he's told he picked up the wrong couple and the right couple is headed for the lake. So he yells at the first bride and tells her to get out. 
and then puts her where he dumped the husband. But her eyes are wide open, so I'm not sure if she's dead or not. Uh, no, then he, he, he tells her that here's your husband. Yeah. So I don't I'm know. Assuming she's alive. Right. But he's she's kind of acting like she's dead or like paralyzed at the very least. Right. Like we don't fully understand what <laughs> happened with the drug. It was a, it was like a non sequitur scene that really didn't need to happen. No. Uh, then he goes to the lake, and the couple he was supposed to kill decided to commit suicide together. So the only way it's possible to have a suicide pact is how they did it, by shooting themselves between the eyes, as one does. And then he has more gr- dreams of his girlfriend. Then goes to the strip and just slaps some anthrax on some random guy's forearm and walks away. <laughs> Why? I, I, do, I don't know. Because I thought... I thought the plan was to shut down the grid, Las Vegas grid for two months with all his satellites. Right. What's the point of the it's satellites just, if you're just going to slap some random ass dude with some anthrax? And, and also, he, he at one point, he says, well, he's going to visit Vegas. So like, you're going to pay for it forever. I thought you were only shutting it down for two months. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? It, it just seems inconsistent because he keeps talking about how sophisticated everything is and his plan and how all these satellites are under his control. And then he's just walking around throwing throwing anthrax at people basically on the <laughs> on the strip like man anybody could have done that as long as he gets some anthrax how difficult is that plan again just the more we talk about it the more evidence piles up that he's the joker <laughs> <laughs> like, he has no like real plan other than just to cause chaos essentially right. <laughs> Unless it's a threat to the government like look I have anthrax look I just killed a random guy maybe right. And yeah. I don't know Maybe why he I'm trying to justify that. this film. <laughs> right, you're, you're giving him credit. <laughs> you're trying to meet Neil Breen halfway. And he's giving you none. I see what you're doing, Neil. I got it. I got right. it. It was a threat. Right. Don't, don't listen to these guys, Neil. I'm picking up what you're laying down. If you need a body double, I got you. I'm on but he calls up a prostitute to help him with a job. And if you told me he was doing the voice of the prostitute, I would have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's a setup. He doesn't need her to have sex with anyone. And he offers her a hundred bucks and then he hangs up and she gets mad at him for some he really, reason. He really cheaped out. Bucks. Yeah. Like you're, maybe you're give the people, He's maybe a... give Katrina survivors a little less money and, and pay your prostitute a little bit more. Right, you're a prostitute slash informant, I guess. Yeah, and she's she's won some of that Neil Breen dick too. She's like, oh, why don't you come after, come on over after, and I'll show you a good time. Yeah, she was gonna do it for free, Neil. Yeah, <laughs> sucker, <laughs> giving her a hundred. <laughs> so then he steals a Ferrari using his cell phone and picks up a guy that's wearing a fake beard and mustache. And calling them a fake beard and mustache is generous. They're most certainly pieces of felt that have been taped to this guy's face. I was so worried, not worried, but I was dying laughing as if like that was the guy's costume for real in the movie. It was only until they pulled it off. I was like, oh, okay. But I'm like, this budget is so low. I could have seen him use this fake mustache and beard for this actor. Right. Yeah. Just tried to get away with it. One I was kind of hoping that <laughs> there's never going to be a reveal that oh no it is fake indeed like no that's his but he yeah, he tries to pull it off and it doesn't come off it's like oh wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. he's he's botched one attempt already why not this one did he think adding the beard made it more believable at Neil Breen as a director like if we just put a fake mustache on him everybody's gonna know 
But if we can add that imagine, beard. Can you imagine in real life, you put that shit on your face and you get in someone's car and the person immediately doesn't call you out on it? Like, <laughs> what is that? It works, though, for a while. Oh, well, I guess, but <laughs> only in this universe. <laughs> yeah. So then he gets distracted by the prostitute friend waving at the guy from the parking lot, and then Breen injects him with a trank when his head is turned, which really, you really didn't need to bring a prostitute into this. There are other ways to distract him. It's like, hey, look over there. <laughs> and he doesn't inject anything into him, first of all, because the liquid is still in the needle. <laughs> yeah. So he just um, basically stabs him with the needle, and that's it. Yeah. He then meets with his contacts and takes off the beard and mustache off the guy he tranked, and they are surprised to say that to see that it's their target, and pull out their guns in broad daylight, ready to unload it into a parked car, Tupac style. <laughs> with Neil there. <laughs> with Neil there, yes. And his prostitute contact winds up killed, but she was actually a CIA operative the entire time. I really, I would have loved if like, he pulls up in the Lambo and he takes the the uh, the mustache and everything off, and the, the the CIA agents are just like, okay, was that a big reveal? <laughs> we know who that is. Yeah. But no, they they are 100% fooled. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, they got to be dumber than uh, Neil. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and God. they they do a good job of being so. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd been great if it was just like that was just part of it, just so because the other the guy played two parts, so it was like, well, how are we gonna get this guy? Like this guy's gonna yeah. got two roles because we couldn't afford another guy. Let's just give this this character a mustache and beard. No one will know. <laughs> right. At this point, and no one's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> you made it this far. Congratulations. Yeah. Right. We then cut to a bombed-out property in the desert with people with AKs, and Breen and the agents approach them, and they have an exchange of a bioweapon for some drugs, maybe. And then Breen does the classic, I drop the bioweapon, run routine. And then a gunfight ensues, but we don't get we have to see it. Breen gives the drugs to the agents, and then he's off. And the older agent just talks about how great Breen is. And then That's one of my favorite lines of dialogue. Like, where's he going to? Because he's on his quest. But don't worry, he knows how to defend himself. He's special. Uh, it's, like, it's like the it's like uh, Commissioner Gordon at the end of the Dark Knight. Yeah. But I mean, but obviously in the Dark Knight, it's much more fluent. <laughs> like Gary Oldman is a slightly better actor than that guy. Right. Those are right. weird shot scenes too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the blue sky it's just shot up they're never in the same shot together they don't need their eye line is way off yeah it's very right. bizarre they're staring straight at the cue cards yeah that's, and that's why that's... like i'm asking who's he talking to yeah. <laughs> right because he's not talking to whoever's in the scene with him no 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 one's ever in the same neil and the the guys that he meets i think it, i think it's earlier on but he does talk to that cia cia op or whatever an older yeah. guy but those shots are hysterical. Oh, and then I he know. looks like he they're both looking left, which is funny. But I think he's just I don't know what's happened. I, you know, I, I didn't I didn't realize that because, yeah, it's like there's a lot of close ups of just their faces. Pretty mm-hmm. much like you, you kind of just see the neck up. Yeah. And it's them just reciting dialogue. Yeah. yeah. To the void, to empty space. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
then Breen meets back up with his dead wife, telling her he has so many questions and he's confused. Same, Neil. Same. <laughs> and, and then they make out. Uh, Breen hangs out at a train depot, clacking away on his dead laptop, saying he's preparing for the Las Vegas attack. Then he kills some terrorists, I suppose, because we never actually see them. Uh, then he puts on his medals and sets up his satellite dishes. And again, throwing shade at the, the armed forces. Yep. And he brags about how he could set up an EMP to take out the city grid. I think it's a call to let him know that he did not, in fact, cure the little girl's brain cancer. And tells them he has to take another call and drops <laughs> the mystical rock into a whole bunch of tuna cans that he just has in his trunk. And we never hear from that family again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry your daughter died. Next. <laughs> and then he has a breakdown about what he's about to do. Because he loves this country. He's an American. This is his country. Is that when he goes <laughs> running through the through the desert? That's when he that's when he throw, throws himself on the ground like a little child. Yeah, when he has a temper tantrum. Yeah. Grabbing at the soil. Yeah. <laughs> I love this country. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. He keeps repeating he's an American. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I don't get it. <laughs> and then he runs around the desert like a maniac, just randomly <laughs> screaming. He gives two he gives one good scream, and when you think he's done, <laughs> he's way in the distance. He, he screams again. And that's when I lost it. I I laughed so goddamn hard at that second yell. <laughs> it's, it's so unnecessary, but so great. Yeah. It's the middle-aged man yelling in the desert. You're yelling at clouds. <laughs> Old man yells at clouds. Personified. Yeah. And just runs around the desert having a mental breakdown. Uh, he's trying to start the attack, and then the child version of himself shows up. And then his w- dead wife asks him to make time stand still. Then he cuts his arm with a pocket knife. A bunch of random scenes that are just back-to-back. Then he finds a tracker that they got on his person thanks to a well-placed wad of gum on the ground. And then more screaming in the desert, more skeletons. He scratches his arm on the head of a ram, and then his dead wife comes and heals him. And then there's a public announcement by government officials regarding an imminent attack. They say there's nothing to worry about, which immediately red flags. And the versions are put in place, he says. And then more stock footage. He then decides that he's got to stop the attack that he himself put into motion. But if there's anyone that can do it, it's him. Um, He clacks around on his dead laptop and then calls on three flip phones. And then there's a shootout at the train depot featuring people we've never met before. <laughs> and right. there's, there's no explanation. They're just like, is the plan still on? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's his team. <laughs> right. Are they with Neil? I guess so. They have like a direct line to him. But but with what? No one has a phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was get, he was giving them up to the minute updates. Oh yeah, they, they knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, he's like he's changing the code. Right. It's, it's like, like calling Hail Mary. Yeah, it's an audible baby. <laughs> I don't know who's on whose side of that scene. But wait. That can't be because the CIA agents show up and kill those guys, right? For like the split second do you see them, but yes. Then what what is going on there? That whole scene is fucked up. You don't get an establishment of that the CIA agents are there. You kind of see them in the background. It's like, oh, there's that old guy. And there's that little kid looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> it's such a mess. Oh, man. 
Yeah, the geography of this film, he'll, he'll, he'll drive there, and then he's there, and then, like, nothing makes sense of where he's going or where he's <laughs> been or, or any of that. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no establishing shots. Yeah, you just you just gotta go with it. Be like, oh, we're here now. We're in a casino. Oh wait, we're at NASA. Wait, we're in the desert. We're in a resort. What's that? Where are we? How do we get here? <laughs> yeah, just, like, if you can't keep up with Neil Breen, that's on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the Vegas hotels are evacuated, I suppose, thanks to Breen, who was the one who created the attack in the first place. And the government officials read their lines into some sort of void. And he also talks to the void, saying that this proves his loyalty to his country. And then he has to sift, sift through all the tuna cans in the trunk of his car to find his mystical rock, which I'm not sure what he winds up using the mystical rock for at the end. And he gingerly makes his way up the rock formation again, the way you'd expect a 50-something-year-old man would do. And the more visions of his dead girlfriend, himself as a boy, he destroys his laptops. And then he dis- he drives out of the desert, his dead girlfriend maybe in the back. And that is, that's the end of Double Down. It, it culminates into just a crazy fever dream of scenes that don't wind up doing anything in terms of resolving any plot points or <laughs> anything, but it was a trip, man. It, it, I did not stop laughing, and it was such a joy <laughs> to be watching this in my living room. I had the best time. I wasn't mad. I was mad a little bit with <laughs> film, the filmmaking process. A little like, what are you doing, dude? Come on, you yeah. can do better than that. But I still had an amazing, laughable time. This thing is brilliant. I was actually nervous that. Pete was going to like really not like us. <laughs> I was like, I'm enjoying this a lot. I was like, I, I don't know what Pete is into. You know, so I was just like, shit, man. He might come on and be like, I'm just gonna run through the motions because this movie sucked. <laughs> I, Never Pete, invite you, me back again. <laughs> right, I, Pete, you are you are a good sport, man. Thank oh, you so much for this. Appreciate it, man. This hit all the right notes as far as like just some. B C movie, you know, comedy like The Room and like you said, Troll Two and stuff like that. This is right in my wheelhouse for this shit. I love it. Yeah, Yeah. there's like Like, the 14th minute of the front of the beginning exposition where it's like, all right, uh, maybe this is a little bit of a drag, but (laughs) it it picked up after that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I was happy with this movie. Again, um, I would love to see this in a midnight showing. Oh yeah. Uh, I, and just like hoping that people dress up like, <laughs> almost like Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of thing. Fake mustaches and, and beards and stuff. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the jean vests with the <laughs> medals. I like, like my, my wife and I go to Comic-Con and, and is uh, he goes to Comic-Con with us. I just want to cosplay as Neil Breen now. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm going to cosplay as Neil Breen with the jean jacket. The jean vest with the medals. <laughs> and like, I'll just like bring a random laptop with me. <laughs> Laptops and flip phones. Yeah, it's not on. Clearly not on. <laughs> Two people will get it, and it'll make my day. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to have an excuse to watch his next one. I feel like you gotta give it some space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't you can't front load it, or else then then what are we doing here? But yeah. You know what I just realized that what what episode are we on now, Ant? This is like one forty. Oh, we should have had a one hundred thirty eighth episode spectacular. Oh man, we yeah, didn't we think should've. about that. <laughs> Shit, man, we well, blew that. 
a way to bring it up now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> After the fact. Yeah, that that's that's bad. But uh I like, usually like Pete usually will kinda like discuss how we would make the film better. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I it's you can't do this. Yeah, you can't do this film justice that way, right? <laughs> no. It's too much work, I think. Yeah. Right, because then, then you're just like really getting to like, well, you should have establishing shots and you should have uh, better acting and you should have better dive. Like there, <laughs> there's too much. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. It'd be more work for us than it was for him to make that movie. Oh, yeah, the way, you make this, the way you make this better is you throw <laughs> this in the trash and you start from square one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a gift for, for us, for sure. And um, yeah, I'm... I'm Again, terrible movie. Don't we we had a great we had a great time today, kids. But this movie sucked ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go into this one thinking you're gonna have a great time. But we had a great time. We did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You gotta temper your expectations. But it was it was wild, man. It was <laughs> not what. So I I've been aware of this movie for quite some time, and I've seen reviews. I was un still unprepared, still unprepared for it. Just how how no, non how much nonsense it is is basically what took me for a loop. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that either. And again, I had seen we watched a Neil Breen uh, trailer. Yeah. So you would think that oh yeah we know what's going down here, but oh god, this <laughs> is in in the room. The room was shot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there's. There's a there's a plot to it, right? And even Troll Two, I mean, it, it has establishing shots. You know where you are. Yeah. And yeah, the dialogue's terrible, but the characters have names. They're sort of fleshed out. Yeah. Years. Mm-hmm. You are given the faintest of ideas <laughs> of who you are talking to, where you are. And you really like this is like a puzzle. This movie, yeah. and you got to figure it out. Here's the pieces. Go go at it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm definitely rewatching this before the room. I'll tell you that this was so much fun. I'm really glad you liked it. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. I think that's all we got to talk about. I think we lost Mark. I think the storm's picking up. So uh, yeah. Oh, so, uh, Pete, you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, you could uh, go to bingemedia.net. Uh, they got a Twitter and a Facebook. Their Twitter is binge media. My, I only have a Twitter account. I'm also on Facebook, but I don't really use it. But for Twitter, it's uh, PeteMC23. And uh, yeah, go to bingemedia.net. Check out their podcast as well. Great. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. I, uh, we had a great time. Hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. Uh, hopefully it uh, lives up to this first one. This was a good, uh, <laughs> a good first uh, episode that you've been on. Yeah, I may bring this over to uh, the binge media waves, and this is like commentary worthy. And I- I'm thinking about having you guys on for that. If you guys want to go a little bit more in depth on this one, I think that'll be oh a blast. My God. Definitely. I would, I would love talk. This is my new obsession. <laughs> Me too, man. You know what? We'll do it. We'll we'll uh, we'll have you guys on. We'll do a commentary for uh, for Double Down. I love it. That'd be great. All right. Um, Dan, you want to plug our shit for us? Because Mark is not here. Yeah, sure. Uh, and again, just Pete, thank you so much for joining us. I had a blast, man. Dude, thank it, you so much. Honestly, pleasure meeting you. And you too. Uh, 
We, uh, I'll, I'll plug my thing first at Diaquino122 on Twitter. Uh, don't really do anything on there, but just promote the main Damie. So we have uh, a bunch of different podcasts under the main Damie. We have They Call This Movie, which airs every Thursday. We have a Real Play D&D podcast that airs every Wednesday called Stranger Damies. You can follow us at Stranger Damies there. And uh, we also have a video game review podcast, uh, the Game Vault podcast. Those air every other Monday. So I believe the gentleman and lady dropped a new episode uh, yesterday. But if you uh, I'm trying, it's at Game Vault Pod, yep. I believe. Yes. So go check them out. Give them some reviews, uh, and you can find everything at themaindamey.com. Great, yes, and they are. We are. They call us a movie, and you can find us at Spreaker just by searching "They Call This Movie." Uh, we are also on all podcast streaming apps. Just look for "They Call This Movie," and we will pop right up. Themaindamey.com is our main website, and you can find us on all socials just by searching "The Main Damey." So that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching "The Main Damey." We are also proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find us at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there's surely a show for you. I want to thank Pete once again for coming on. He is bingemedia.net is where you could find him and all his great commentaries and shows and the binge cast. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up this week. The director of Double Down is Neil Breen. And for Dan Aquino, Mark Myers, and Pete Setnick, well, Neil Breen, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs>